Hey friends, welcome to the Mosaic Podcast. I'm Shannon Leibold, and I'm here with my co-host Lynn Martin, and we're so glad you've joined us. This is a podcast for the women of Wallenstein Bible Chapel and beyond. It's a space where we celebrate how God is turning brokenness into beauty. Each week, we chat with a guest and share stories from our own lives. As Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's masterpiece, His work of art, and He's shaping us into something beautiful in Christ. Welcome to episode 60 of the Mosaic Podcast. I'm your host, Lynn. And I'm Shannon. And once again, we just want to thank you for joining us. Um, we are on our final uh, section of the book, Live Your Truth, today. We are, we're just so happy to have you listening in, and we hope that you're going to be really challenged by these last few chapters as we, as we dig into that. Today is actually a little bit of a well, a lot of a special episode, and, and we're going to tell you a little bit more about that um, as we as we proceed. So um, I think what we're going to do is we're going to just jump right into the book, Shannon. What do you think? That's good. Sounds good. So that's what we're going to do. So we we have been looking. We've we've already covered the the first nine chapters of this book. Um, called Live Your Truth and Other Lies. I always make the mistake of calling it Live Your Truth, and that's not what the title is. And if you start stop there, then uh, it gives a misnomer to the actual title because Live Your Truth is... Uh, we're actually going to cover that today uh, in one of the chapters. So chapter 10 that we're going to discuss is called uh, You Are the Boss of You. It's called Friends with the subtitle You Are the Boss of You. That's the phrase that we're going to address first. And like uh, if you've been listening along each chapter, we, we discuss a different phrase that is maybe popular in, in culture. But but when you look at it a little deeply, a little more deeply, it is problematic um, as far as truth goes. So... Mm-hmm. Chapter 10, called Friends, You Are the Boss of You. And this chapter starts out with um, her sharing a story of uh, watching a, a video, a Sunday school video, one one day and talking about the passage of the paralytic, uh, when Jesus heals the paralytic and, and his friends um, lowered him down through the roof, if you remember that, that story in the Bible. And... Um, at the end of the, the Sunday school lesson, the person on the video said that this was just a great story about having good friends. <laughs> and that's where we get the title of this chapter, Friends. And, and the point, of course, is that that is not the point of that story at all. The point of that story is to talk about how Jesus heals, and Jesus is the great healer. He's the great physician, and and he he came to heal, heal the um, heal the sick, and bring good news to the poor. So we want to talk about that a little bit today. Um, how we have taken maybe scripture, how we have taken truth, and and just just altered it. Um, One of the things she says is, it's no wonder that Christians are so confused about what God really wants for their lives. We've been taught to read the scriptures through the lens of self. What does this passage say about me? What does it mean to me? How can it help me feel better? Um, Those can be questions that we can ask, but they should not ever be the first questions that we ask when we read scripture. Um, 
so this is kind of where this chapter goes. And Shannon, you, I know, I'm sure have some thoughts here. So I'll let you jump in. Yeah, that whole idea of the, the quote that you just read about we've been taught to read scripture through the lens of self. I feel so passionately about that as a Bible teacher because um, that is just a wrong way to approach scripture. We we need to understand that the Bible is a book about God first. And do we learn about ourselves? Absolutely. But that is all through the filter of who God is, what he's doing in the world, what he's like, his plan of redemption, all of that. And I think, yeah, that plays into this lie that you are the boss of you and that, you know, we live in this me-centered, me-focused reality and it's just not the christian way it's not what walking with christ is supposed to be like it's so true um she she says she asks the question what is your authority for some people it's uh, their own feelings and preferences for others it's science and reason and i say science in quotations because she goes on to to say how if you have different um philosophical thinking you can take evidence hard cold evidence and you can manipulate the data and um so you have to be careful and so if you come at things with a a, from a reference of say materialism or or something else besides the authority of god you're going to come to a different conclusion Mm -hmm. and she she breaks the hard news to us in this chapter she says friends if you're a jesus follower he is in charge Jesus is the boss of you, and he says that the Bible is also the boss of you. And so when we live our lives under the authority of Christ, under the authority of Scripture, that's where we're going to find joy and fulfillment and peace and everything that God promises in his kingdom. But when we try to rule our own lives, we it's a slippery slope to yeah. destruction. And, and so I really like what she does as she proceeds in this chapter because, you know, it's easy to say, well, yes, I believe in Scripture. I believe that God is the, the author of Scripture, and I'm going to do that. But then what do we do with that? How Sometimes it's easy to say that, or maybe it's not easy to say that, but um, we get to that point and we think we're home free. We've made that commitment. Um, but now we, we read Scripture and we don't quite know how to read it. And, and that's because... Um, it's not written as a textbook. It's written. It's written by multiple authors. It's written at different times of of history, and in some cases, it's very much a historical narrative. In other cases, it's very much poetry. And so, knowing and being able to distinguish that is really important. So she breaks that down. So let's just go through those. Um, there are five different. Um, things that she says to help make sense of scripture. Um, Shannon, you want to say the first one? Sure. It's know the genre. So as Lynn was saying, you know, there are different genres in scripture and yeah, we, we need to know what we're reading because we read poetry different than we read history and we read apocalyptic literature different than we lead, read letters. And so that's the first thing is know what you're reading because it's all interpreted differently. I love that part. And I love, she actually says, God doesn't approve of everything recorded in the Bible. And I think that's so important because mm-hmm. we can pull out something from scripture and, and say, oh, God, God was okay with that. Well, no, he wasn't okay with it, but he's just chronicling what has happened. Yeah. The Bible is both descriptive and prescriptive. So descriptive passages, for example, passages on polygamy, 
that's descriptive. It's not God condoning polygamy. Right. And so the second one then is practice good grammar. And I'm a grammar geek, so this one makes, this resonates with me deeply. But but it's important to recognize that just like we have um, idioms that we use in our language and we have metaphors and we, we tell stories with pictures and um, analogies, the Bible does that too. And so... Um, you know, just like she says, if someone were to say, wow, it's really raining cats and dogs out there. Well, it doesn't literally mean that there are cats and dogs raining down. And and the Bible uses figures of speech like that as well. So it's important to know that, um, you know, Jesus isn't talking about sheep and wolves literally when he's talking about sheeps and wolves. He's talking about people who act in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is compare scripture with scripture. So the general uh, rule here is that scripture interprets scripture. And when you're in a passage, it's very likely that the Bible has something else to say about that topic elsewhere. And so it's good to take a look across the panorama of scripture and compare scripture with scripture. The Bible is also a progressive revelation. And so things become the story of redemption becomes clearer and clearer as we move from Genesis to Revelation. So comparing scripture in that way can be helpful to understanding God's story. Looking through the lens of of what's come before. Yeah, that's that's really good. Um, You know, it's funny, Shannon and I are taking the same course right now at um, seminary and our prof this morning was talking about this very thing. And and so it just resonates even more deeply. Um, And I I just kind of want to add to that then that it's important when you look at scripture, if you don't believe that it is inerrant, that's a fancy word, but it just means that it was it was inspired fully by God and God intended for everything there to be there. Um, If you don't believe that, then you're not going to look at scripture um, in a way that like you're going to question things maybe a little more. Whereas if you look at it and say, no, I know. And I believe that this is inspired by God. So that when you see things that maybe don't make sense, you can rest in that tension a little bit more and, and allow yourself to, um, wait on God to reveal it maybe to you or to, to still trust that God is who he says he is. So just adding that in for, for free. Um, but then the fourth thing here is to consider the context and, um, she talks about how just looking at the the overarching view of the entire passage, understanding, um, you know, like a good example is the book of Judges. Like that's a that's a tough book to read if you have read Judges. There's a lot of really terrible things that happen in there. Um, and and so to look at that and recognize that God is telling an overarching story. He's talking about the the spiral downfall that happens when when his people turn from him and and then also looking at the historical context so things that we understand today don't necessarily transfer exactly onto the historical narrative and then the fifth um, principle she talks about is applying the passage to your life and when it comes to application this is the part we like because this is the the self-focused me-centered part of bible study but we have to make sure we do good work in observation and interpretation before we get to application and so um, we have to also make sure that we're making correct application. What are the promises that are for us as Christians today? And what are the promises that maybe were just for Israel in the Old Testament? Um, one of the 
passages that's taken out of context quite regularly is Jeremiah 29 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. That that verse. And that was actually written to Israel in captivity. They were in captivity due to their disobedience, but God said he would restore them. But they were going to be there for 70 years. And so how does that apply to us as New Testament believers? Well, the reality is God does have a plan for us, and it is a future filled with hope, but it's not promised in this lifetime. It's promised in eternity. And so we just have to make sure our application is correct. We can't pick and choose verses and claim them as promises from God. Right. So it's it's important to know what each book is about, what what's happening, what's the what is the the story of that and and we're obviously not going to cover that in a in a short podcast, but we just really encourage you to look at that and um and ultimately to recognize that that Jesus is the boss of us, and he says that the Bible is the boss of us. So so look at Scripture as something that is the living voice of God, and, and, and yet not to the point that we just take everything at face value without understanding the context. So we're going to move on to chapter 11, which is called Jukebox, and... Her titles, I've said this before, I'm always like, why is she making that the title? I actually wish that her subtitles were the titles of the chapter because that makes so much more sense to me. But um, her phrase that she addresses here um, and points it out as, as not being fully true is the phrase, it's all about love. And the reason that she, she calls it into question is because of our definition of love. In our culture, we have this, um, you know, a rom-com definition of, of what love is. Um, and, and it's all about accepting everyone and everything. And, um, and this is actually, I think, become quite um, dangerous and permeated into our church culture a lot. Um, because we want to be politically correct. We don't want to offend anyone. And, and so this is a tough one. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, and the, the thought out there is, if you want to change me, then you don't really love me. Right. And she gives the example of Jesus and the rich young ruler when it says that um, Jesus told this man to go and and give away everything he had. And it says, the Bible actually says Jesus loved him. And so he was revealing something in the rich young ruler's heart that needed to change. And that was an idol to this man. But it said that Jesus loved him. And so love doesn't mean that you don't want a person to change. Right. Because you don't want to leave someone you love in a place where it's not a healthy place for them. And, And the definition of health even is not not happiness those are mm-hmm. those two things are not the same thing and the word tolerance gets used in this conversation too you know we just we need to tolerate all people but jesus actually reprimanded the whole church in thyatira in uh revelation for the sin of tolerance like that's we shouldn't be tolerating sin and that doesn't mean we don't love right it it um this is a big one. This is just such a big one in our culture right now. Um, but even um, when you look at 1 Corinthians 13, we come back to how important it is to actually look to Scripture to, to help us define these things. 1 Corinthians 13 is the 
uh, fairly famous passage that's often read at weddings about love. And um, one of the things that Paul describes as love is that it does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. And so that can be taken to mean, um, oh, well, you know, everyone can do their own thing. But, but actually, we need to recognize that when people get offended with us, that's where there's a problem. Um, we, it doesn't mean that everyone has to agree mm-hmm. in order for, for there to be love. Um, and according to scripture, she says, love means that I cannot affirm someone in their sin. Sin is is outside of God's will, and we cannot affirm that. So even if they insist that love requires that, in that sense, the biblical definition of love is the exact opposite of the cultural one. Mm-hmm. That's Yeah, that's important to know because love obviously is, God's love is agape love, the highest form of love. It's a divine love, an otherworldly kind of love. And so... And it's demonstrated most clearly in the cross. I love this quote uh, from John Stott that she includes in her book. He says, Far from condoning sin, his love, Christ's love, has found a way to expose it because he is light and to consume it because he is fire without destroying the sinner, but rather saving him. This is how we know he loves us. And that's just amazing that God can expose our sin in a gentle and loving way he can consume it he consumed it on the cross and and we are not destroyed in the process so it comes back to uh, an understanding of god and who he is and if he if we truly believe that he wants the very best for us that he created us with that desire to bring us to a full relationship with him then when he brings us through things that are, are hard and peels back those layers we first need to recognize that there will be layers because we we all sin, but then uh, lean into those things and and learn from them and and change. Mm-hmm. So chapter twelve, chapter twelve is called chips because she's talking about the chip on your shoulder and the phrase she uses is "girl power is real power" and she actually shares how this one was one that was very. Um, real to her for quite a significant part of her life because yeah when we get into you know the role of women versus the role of men that can be a really hot topic and and perhaps especially so in the truth in the church mm-hmm. um we you know this is something that the church has wrestled through and probably not always well um in church history and then you you compare that with the feminist culture that has gone through many waves and many changes and some of them have been amazing and and good you know getting the vote recognizing that women are human beings too i'd say we can agree that that's a very positive thing but um we've almost been um treated like we have to be the same in every single way. And the Bible says something different. The Bible says that we are, first of all, we are created in the image of God, all of us, men and women. But but we have different purposes. We have different bodies. We have different, um, our, our, yeah, our internal reproductive systems are very, very different. Um, and so she says she quotes and she says that perhaps god made our bodies different because he wanted us to understand something incredibly important about um 
how we need both men and women and that men and women together reflect the image of God. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she says, could it be that the differences between men and women fit together like puzzle pieces to ensure that both flourish and that the whole family and society in general thrive. And I think that's true. God's created men and women differently with different roles, and we complement one another beautifully. But this whole idea of girl power and you can do anything just because you're a girl, yeah, it's just not, it's not completely true. There are things that men cannot do, and there are things that women cannot do. Yeah. She she addresses the, the whole... Um, the fall, right? The the place where Adam and Eve were both, um, both chose to to eat the forbidden fruit because the serpent deceived them. They were deceived. However, you want to address that. Um, but she gives this sort of uh, seven steps to how to be deceived. It's funny. She says how to be deceived in five easy steps, and then she pro- proceeds to write seven things. But. <laughs> um, and just looking at that passage in Genesis when when the woman was deceived, and um, if you look at it, so I'm just going to read these because I think they're really easy and something for us all to think about. Um, maybe maybe we're trapped in, in this area somewhere. So the first thing she says is um, how to be deceived. First, question what God actually said. So then that goes back to know, know your Bible, know what it says. Um, and so you question it. And then, and then twist it. That's the second thing. Just twist it a little bit so it's maybe not quite exactly what God said. And the third thing is paint God out to be the mean bully in the sky who uses fear tactics to keep you from having any fun. So if, if you're thinking that that is the God that you serve, then um, you're going to easily be deceived. And then the fourth thing is, persuade you or get yourself persuaded to trust yourself more than you trust God and his word. And then catapult your life into darkness and chaos, she says, and convince yourself that darkness and chaos are actually good things. So this is where we get ourselves into trouble again and again. It sounds really, you know, I would never do that, but we do this all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unconsciously even sometimes. And I think this this whole discussion about um, roles of men and women and women in society, it, it has an important um, part in the way we raise our daughters. Mm. And um, she says the way to build up girls is to help them embrace and celebrate the specific role and traits God hardwired into women who are beautiful, valuable, and precious to him. So it's all about finding our identity in Christ and, um, apart from, you know, all the gender roles and so on. But yeah, to, to raise girls to believe that about themselves. There's a, a really cool image that I learned this summer, and it's actually been really helpful to me. Um, when you go back to Genesis and it talks about um, Eve was created as a helper for Adam, and, and that phrase has been taken and and perhaps twisted to, you know, create, make women subservient to man. And, um, but God himself is called the helper. And so, um, I think we really need to be careful with how we interpret that. But, um, this, this analogy that I heard just really resonated with me, um, how we are, man and woman are, are kind of in a way opposed to each other in that one 
if you think of it like two planks of wood and one plank is on an angle and the other plank is on the opposite angle and they lean into each other and if they don't have if those two planks don't have each other they'll fall because it's it creates that angle that perfect triangle i love that image because it it changes the image of being opposed to one another they're not opposed in the, in a bad way they're opposed in a way that supports each other and i just think that's a great way for us to look mm-hmm. at men and women yeah that's really good really good all right we come to the final chapter <laughs> Uh, which kind of just is a, a now a conclusion going back to as opposed to live your truth, we want to live the truth. And she just exhorts us um, to to do these things that we've been talking about to um, recognize, she says, the culture is going to cult and and we don't want that. We want to plant our feet in the word of God because the culture is always changing. Mm-hmm. And And she says, Uh, The whole point of this book, we've explored the me-centered cultural lies that not only lead to anxiety, self-obsession, and exhaustion, but they also contradict the way God instructs us to live according to Scripture. And so she just calls us again to to come to Scripture, to come to God. Yeah, and she gives three practical tips for living the truth of the gospel in a culture that really is at odds with Christianity. So the first tip that she says is, know the real thing. So we need to become acquainted with real Christianity. We need to um, study church history, apologetics, theology, the Bible, so we can shield ourselves and guard ourselves against false versions of Christianity because Satan comes as an angel of light, remember? And so there's a lot of truth mixed into those lies. Yeah, that's good. And we need to be able to, to discern those. The second thing she says is, that we need to be willing to suffer in small things. This is hard. This is really hard. Uh, she gives the example of, of a, a young woman, 21-year-old woman named Vivia Perpetua, and this is uh, way, way back in the 3rd century. And um, she was martyred for her faith. And just before she was actually killed, her father begged her to, to recant. All she had to do was... Um, say she wasn't a Christian. And um, her response was so sobering and so challenging um, because she just said, I, I can't. Like she actually asked her father, look at this pitcher of, of water. Can you call that something else? And and he couldn't. It is. That's what it was. It was a pitcher of water. And so she said she couldn't call herself anything but she what, but what she was, which was a Christian. And so I think it, it's so easy for us to um, go down that path of compromise and and we're called to something much higher. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing she said is be committed to truth no matter what. And I think she says a lot of times um, in North American Christianity, we tend to beg people to follow Christ. We we even you know try to make it as easy as possible. We don't want to offend, and so um, but. That's, that's not what Jesus did. He didn't mince words. He always spoke the truth and didn't try to soften the blow. And so we need to be committed to truth no matter what. Not in a, not in a um, condescending or harsh or, um, yeah, just not in a way that's going to turn people off. But we can't sugarcoat what it means to follow Christ. We need to be tr- truthful about that. 
Yeah, and then and then ultimately it, it everything comes back to the cross. Everything needs to be filtered through that. Uh, the cross, she says, is the answer to every lie that tells me that I can find everything I need inside myself because it's not true. Uh, we find our sufficiency, we find our rest, we find uh, our truth is in Christ. Um, mm-hmm. And so if the Lord is God, follow him. But if not, choose something else. Yeah, and I love the way she ends this book. She says, Christian, your truth doesn't exist. Your truth won't bring hope or save anyone. You must speak and live the truth, no matter the cost. And your reward? As Jesus said in John 8, 32, the truth shall set you free. Truth is a person, and he is your reward. It's a great way to end, end this book. We hope you have been challenged like we have been. All right, so now we're at the part of the episode where we would normally have our special guest, and uh, today we're doing it a little differently. We are going to have each other as guests, so you are stuck with just the two of us, Um, and that's for a special reason. We are at episode 60 of this podcast, and we have made the very, very hard decision after Mm -hmm. a lot of prayer, a lot of conversation, that this needs to be the the final episode for the time being at least um it's hard to even put that out into words no it's so sad (laughs) uh we have been so very blessed i think i think in many ways probably the people most blessed by this podcast is the two of us i think so um just so many conversations with so many people so many ways that we have been personally challenged um and it is really hard to say that this is going to be the last episode, but just um, that is that is what we're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we started this podcast during the pandemic, and we did so for a very specific reason. We wanted to help women get to know one another in a time where it was impossible, really, to get together face-to-face and have, you know, coffee conversations and all of that. And so we started this for a very specific purpose, and obviously that has changed. Um, We're no longer under those restrictions, and, um, you know, women's ministry has events now where we can meet together. And so the podcast isn't fulfilling that same purpose, and that was part of our reason for... um, for deciding that that we need to to end but I just want to say you guys this has been so so special for me um I think I came at it with a little bit of a different perspective than Lynn Lynn's been at WBC a lot longer than I have and so when I started this podcast for me personally one of the amazing benefits was that I got to know women they would come and sit sit with us and I would get to to know them and go deep fast. And when we had those, you know, face-to-face conversations in front of the microphone, it was just such a blessing to me to get to know all of you. And I'm I've been forever impacted by your stories. I think stories matter. Stories Um, have the power to transform lives. And so what God is doing in your life as you share it with other people is transformative. And it has been for me. And so I'm deeply grateful 
for all of you who were on the podcast that shared your stories with us. And you know what? There were so many more women that we wanted to have mm-hmm. on the podcast. We we know we missed some of you that we want to get to know and would love to hear your story as well. And Well, it's endless, really, right? They're like mm-hmm. Just because you weren't on the show doesn't mean your story doesn't matter by a long shot. But yeah. um, it is just... It's interesting that you said that, that, it, you know, you didn't really know anyone. And I maybe had more of a, an opportunity to know people for longer. But um, there was something about these conversations that we had. We, we hit topics. We went, like you said, we went deep fast. And I've never, ever been good at surfacey conversations and and they have tremendous purpose too you know you can just know that you can go and chat to someone and have it be casual that that's a real gift and um but I have always just loved deeper conversations like these and it's been such uh just such an amazing opportunity to to talk and get to know and hear some things that that I didn't know before and mm-hmm. um and I think that others maybe didn't know and and to know that we are all on this journey we're all struggling maybe um in different areas of our faith we're all walking um in ways that that don't you don't see on the surface and yet if you can just go a little deeper and and talk to someone um and ask sort of the right questions you can you can find out so much more Mm-hmm. And, and that, I think, is my hope that as we finish this off, that, that people would be challenged to, to go deeper with others, to, to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I, I really want to say is, you know, Shannon and I, we didn't know each other really that well yeah, when true. we started this podcast. And, and we have quickly become, our friendship is, it's very unique to maybe some of my other friendships um, in that we almost exclusively serve together. We don't ever just hang out. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're always talking ministry. Yeah. Like what, what are we doing? What, what's happening? And um, if you look back, think back to the episodes that we did on friendship and community with the Jenny Allen book, she talked about, I think it was called, she called it the foxhole friends. Um, like where you're serving in the, in the trenches and, that's that's our relationship and i'm so grateful for that and and just how uh how much i have grown in relationship with you um i just want to thank you publicly for that yes i that's been yeah the the biggest blessing is just the friendship that we share and how we can talk about deep things all the time yeah. It's been really good. We don't know how to have like a how's the weather conversation. No, no, that doesn't happen. Not that we don't have those conversations, but. Yeah. Um, and so we would like to know from you too. This has been um, a journey for us that that we don't always hear feedback. Like you put it out there and you just trust that God is working and moving and trust that people are being blessed and encouraged. But we would love to hear from you. How has the Mosaic podcast impacted you? So reach out to us. Let us know. Um, you know, grab us in the church foyer, whatever it is. I We would just love to hear that. For sure. We would love to, we would love to keep having conversations. Um, 
with you. We would love to challenge you to have more conversations with each other. If that's the legacy that this podcast can leave, leave that, that we're challenged to go deeper with others um, and, and to grow in our faith, I think that's a pretty amazing legacy. And, and we just always want to point all of us to Christ ultimately. I love how the book ended because it just felt like a really great way to, to bring that piece to a close. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been so stretched in doing this podcast. I am not, I don't consider myself a great verbal communicator at the best of times. And to, so to sit in front of a screen and look at these blue lines that are they're not even blue, they're green moving and, and have conversations and, um, try to carry the conversation for people. These are, these are, these are life skills guys. And I have grown and developed them and you have been patiently, graciously, uh, first class witnesses to watching that happen. Mm, That's good. That's we, yeah, we've been stretched in so many ways and like the tech piece of it. (laughs) Oh yes. uh, Yeah. So it's, thank you for your grace, everyone in listening and, and just being our, our encouragers. Yeah. So as we, we close this episode off, we, we want you to know that we will be continuing to pray for you. We are not necessarily saying that we're never going to, um, come on and do, do an episode, but we we're not capable at this stage of doing it every other week. And, and so we, we ask your blessing for that. And, um, like I said, it's a very hard decision because there's just, we've seen so much evidence of God at work um, in our lives and in the lives of people who have come and joined us and shared with us. It's such a gift to have had that. And so to um, to not have that is, is going to be, yeah, it's a loss. It's, it is a deep loss. Yeah, so as... As we end here, um, is there anything else you want to say, Lynn? I thought I'd just close in prayer as we end this last podcast. Okay, let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you for this journey that we've all been on. Um, We thank you for the gift of this platform, this tool that we can use for ministry. We thank you that it has... Um, allowed women to come together and to share their stories and to give you glory in how they testify to your goodness and your grace. And so, God, I ask, we ask that um, this would not stop here, Lord, that these conversations, these deep, spiritually rich conversations would continue among the women of WBC. Lord, would you help us to be open and transparent and vulnerable with each other in a way that brings honor and glory to you so that we can be encouraged and built up as the body of Christ. So Father, we thank you for the Mosaic Podcast. We thank you for the women of WBC. Lord, would you walk with us as we end this season and move on to whatever is next. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so we just say thank you guys. We love you. And and we want to say may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Thank you for listening to the Mosaic Podcast, a podcast for the women of Wallenstein Bible Chapel, where we meet one another in story, in art, and in Christ. 
You can subscribe by going on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or Google Podcast so that you will be notified when the next show drops. Also, please be sure to check out our show notes for more details and join in the conversation on either Facebook at mosaic.podcast.wbc or on Instagram at mosaic.podcast. We pray that you will be inspired and encouraged as you travel your own personal journey from brokenness to beauty.